Yes, hello folks, welcome to be on the page of the weekly Manchester United show, of course, I'm your host as always, Phil Brown, joined my regular co-host, Martin Warwick, of course, and absolutely delighted to be joined here with the brilliant Danny Higginbotham, we have so much to talk about as United are just a few days away, a couple of days away now from their first game, and uh, we have Danny, of course, on to talk about all the tactical permutations of what Solskjaer will do in this first lineup. We're not sure how this midfield three is going to look. That really is the big question. We'll have, of course, talk about some other things. So let me say hello to the boys. How's things, lads? Very well, mate. Very well. Danny, good to have you on, mate. Yeah, likewise. It's been it's been a while, but as I'm sure, you know, everyone's everyone's been itching to go with the football. And like you've both just said there, you know, it's very close now. And I think everybody's looking forward to getting going with it. I think we all are looking forward to getting going with it. Uh, Danny, we've seen the Bundesliga... Uh, we've seen what Premier League will probably look, look like. It's been a good thing that the Bundesliga has had a few weeks to iron out some things um, to improve the spectacle. The background noise has definitely helped with the crowd when you're watching it on TV. Uh, what's your attitude towards the Premier League restarting? I think if you'd have asked me a month or so ago, I probably, and you know, and, and I said it openly, a month, month and a half ago, or maybe a little bit longer, I was... I was against it just because of the magnitude of, of what was going on in the world at the time and, and football was, was sort of on the back burner, so to speak. Whereas I think now, as you've quite rightly said, the example of the Bundesliga, you know, the way they've gone about it, the, the strict testing that's been done in the Premier League, um, the fact that, you know, near enough every single player is, is comfortable um, in the environment. And that's the biggest thing for me because I think if there were any players that didn't want to play, there's no argument against that. You know, it's it's each to their own in this situation. But I think what's been shown with with the procedures that that, that have been gone through and everything, there's no stone left unturned. I was I was on a um, a meeting this morning to do with the Premier League uh, recommencing, and everything they were talking about, they're, they're leaving no stone unturned. And I think the problem was always going to be was that if the Premier League was not going to restart and, and resume the rest of the season, then the only time you could then realistically do it is when there's a vaccine and we don't know how long that's going to be and we talk about the Premier League the Premier League is financially very stable but the the problem that you have if the Premier League doesn't continue then it's going to affect the lower league clubs and that's already going to be huge problems in terms of teams going out of existence and we don't want that because so many of them are, are such a huge pillar of the community yeah, I think I think if we if we recall the last time we spoke about it, Dan, I was kind of in the same mindset. Mm. I wasn't too sure about it starting, and um, I, you know, it's still it still bothers me that you know. Look, I'm, I'm as excited as anyone. I can't wait to see United play. I can't wait to see football back on telly properly. And, and with with the example that the Bundesliga has shown, and, and you see the fitness of the match, fitness of the players has been more obvious this last this last couple of rounds of of play in the Bundesliga, and, and the the product has obviously gotten better with that. It just still, you know, in the back of my mind, there are no fans and footballs for the fans, and it's it's, uh, it's still difficult for me to grasp empty stadiums. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Bundesliga has shown that there is, there is a way forward. Yeah, you, we've got to adapt, um, but at least we're going to have a great fun, a great summer of football. There's going to be games on every day, and it's uh, hey, and uh, it's been it's been a while. Like I can't wait to get going again. It'll, it'll change the whole dynamics of football, you know, because I think. You know, as as we all quite rightly do, we talk about the tactical side of the game, which I think is still very important. But I think what's gone on in the last three, four, five weeks is in terms of the the mental side of things. You know, the sports psychologists. That's going to have such an in, such a huge impact in the game because I can tell you from myself playing behind closed doors, it doesn't have the feel 
of a game of such a huge magnitude. You know, we look at yeah. Tottenham are playing Manchester United. That is an absolutely mammoth game. Yeah. But unless your mindset's right, you're going and playing in, in a huge stadium with no supporters there. And that's why when I talk about the tactical side of things, which I do think is very important, you could probably put level with that now for the foreseeable future while whilst we're whilst we're playing football behind closed doors, is the mental side of it and how, how that's been approached, how different managers have done it differently, how sports psychologists have been able to to get into the, the player's mindset because it will have an effect, there's no question about it. Yeah, it will have an effect and we've seen some of the statistical um Applications in Germany, for example, about home wins have completely mm. upended. Where I think it's down to fourteen percent. Uh, normally, it's around fifty percent. Truly incredible. Uh, I want to ask you about Spurs and Mourinho before we get to United because it seems like Mourinho's lost a bit of his luster. Uh, before uh, I was talking to Stephen Nichol about this, and he was saying that it's a very ordinary Mourinho these days. Has Spurs and and Mourinho been a been a good match so far? And is Mourinho somewhat losing his luster? I think that there's two ways to look at it. I think, you know, as we've seen with the likes of Guardiola and, and, and Klopp and, you know, various other world-class managers around the world is that you have to move with the times. And I think Mourinho, he, he has a set way as in terms of his man management skills. And, you know, people will say that he, he needs to, he, he needs maybe to get more with the times and, 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 you know, change a little bit. But, if you go back to when he first took over at Tottenham, everything started really well for him. He was getting the best out of Deli Alley. Um, you know, Harry Kane was obviously doing well as well. So I think what we've got to look at, we've got to look at the plays that he's lost through injury. I think that's been a real problem for him. And, and Harry Kane as well, because if you look at Tottenham from when Mourinho took over, he did change the style. Him and Pochettino play completely different styles of football. I, I don't think there's any arguments there. And what he did with Tottenham in, in the early stages of being there, and it worked wonderfully well, was that he allowed the opposition to have more of the ball. So what that meant then was that Tottenham were dropping deeper. And when you've got the likes of Alderweireld, Vertonghen, who are very good on the ball, what Tottenham were doing were trying to lead the opposition into a false sense of security, allowing them to have the ball. And when Tottenham were winning it back deep, instead of trying to go through the press, they were going over the press. And initially that was brilliant because in Harry Kane, you've got one of the best target mans in world, in, in world football. He's an all-round centre-forward, but he's one of the best centre-forwards with his back to goal. So therefore, what was happening, Tottenham were playing the ball up to him. And it was no surprise that Deli Alli, when Mourinho first took over, was having was having a great time. Because the likes of Deli Alli, the likes of, of Son, the likes of Lucas Moura, they then, they then had the ability to get up front quickly. And, and get up towards Harry Kane, knowing full well that Harry Kane's going to hold the ball up and they haven't got dramatic distances to make up to try and get close to him. Now, if you fast forward it to Harry Kane's injury, he's out of the team, you lose your focal point. So all of a sudden you've got Lucas Moura or you've got Son who are having to play as the focal point. So if Tottenham are still playing the same way, which is dropping deep, it means that Tottenham are then still going long and it's saying, OK, right, OK, we can get behind the opposition defence. But all of a sudden, a Lucas Moura or a Son, because they want the ball played into space rather than their, to their chest, the cavalry, the likes of Deli Alli, the likes of um, Son or Lucas Moura, whoever was playing behind the front man, they were probably an extra 20, 30 yards behind the actual front man because they haven't got Harry Kane that can hold the ball up with his back to goal. So it was a very difficult thing for Tottenham to be able to do. Whereas I think now with Harry Kane coming back, Mourinho will be able to go back to the the, the style that, that suited Tottenham when he first joined the club. So I would expect to see a, a rise in their performances. And you know, 
we all talk about Mourinho. Some people like him, some people dislike him. I really wanted it to work for him in Manchester United. I loved him as a manager. I was delighted when he got appointed as a manager. But it, you know, eventually it didn't end up working out for him. And I think from his perspective, he will know that Tottenham, arguably now he's been at Chelsea, been at Manchester United. This is probably his last opportunity in English football. So he'll 110% want to get it right. Do you not think it was a strange appointment to begin with, though? It just, it, to me, it just never seemed like a good match. Um, it was never going to get massive amounts of money to spend on a squad that did need investment. Um, and as you saw, as you rightly just said, it started well when you've got predominantly a fully fit squad, yeah. but just, just a couple of injuries away from, from the Tottenham we've seen more recently. So he, but he has been unfortunate. I mean, look, any team, any team's going to miss a Harry Kane, let's, mm. let's be honest. Um, and especially in, in that direct style of play. Um, and it, I always felt that it was it was one um, bit of misfortune, one, one bit of uh, backtalk, what one player not following, not falling in line. You know, we saw we saw who's it in You know, with the fitness yeah. and things things like that. That you just start to see the uh, you know he he was so charismatic, Mourinho. And you start to see that you, you, he's he seems to have lost that, yeah, and he's it, grumpy, and, he, and you know. He, the spats, you know, we saw it with Luke Shaw. It just seems everything seems to irritate him a lot, a lot quicker. Uh, so I never thought it was a good match to begin with. But it, I think, you know, I think like you that once you get a fully fit squad, there it's not a deep squad, and he needs everybody to be fit. Uh, we, we should see, we should see a, a better Spurs than we have done recently. I, I, I think, I think one of the things when you look at Mourinho, one of the things that that, that we would say about him over the years. He gave one of the best defensive masterclasses that I've ever seen when he was into Milan and they went to Barcelona. I think they were down to 10 men and still, you know, managed to hold on and, and go through. And I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong, the year that they actually won the Champions yeah. League. But he went into, it was very different because he went into a Tottenham team that that was probably struggling, struggling to score goals, not so much the defensive side of things. So Mourinho... You know, we know that he works from the back going forward. You know, he does hold records or he's held records in the Liga and Serie A for the most goals scored by by teams in a season. But we know that he can be pragmatic. But when he went into Tottenham, first of all, it's the first time that he's ever taken over a team where he's not had a pre-season with them. So he's not been able to get to know the players, been able to drill the players in terms of what's expected uh, of them during a pre-season game. He's taken over from a manager that is probably the exact opposite of what Mourinho is in terms of his style of play. But he's also taken over a team that wasn't defensively too bad, but attacking-wise, they were really struggling. And that's why I think we saw in his first few games, you know, look at his first game. They went to West Ham, they won 3-2, beat Bournemouth 3-2, got beat by United 2-1, then all of a sudden beat uh, beat Burnley 5-0. So, he, if anything, he's, he's probably gone into a job and had to do the opposite of what he actually would like to have done when he's first gone into a job, if that makes sense, which is solidify yeah. things and, and then go forward. But he's had to do things the other way around. So mm-hmm. I don't think we can forget that along the way as well. He's probably yeah. had to come out of his comfort zone. Very true. Let me ask you, let me turn the conversation over to Manchester United because the big question that everybody has, Danny, is how's this midfield going to look? So many different permutations. It's hard to imagine how you leave Bruno Fernandes or Pogba out. But if you mm. look at United's last 11 games... Fred was in, impeccable. McTominay came back from injury, provides something unique that none of the other midfielders can provide. There finally seemed to be a balance in that midfield. Do you disrupt the balance to bring Pogba back in? It's it is a difficult one. I think you know on 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 the on the front of things when you look at it and you think, wow, 
Fernandez and Pogba in the same team, it's mouthwatering. Mm-hmm. But like you say, it's about it's about getting the balance right. I think when you're looking at it from an attacking impetus, I think it can only be a win-win because, as we all know, Manchester United's results have probably differed when they've played the so-called lesser teams to a certain extent. Because what teams have done, and we've spoken about it before, what teams have done, they've sat back and said, right, okay, come and break us down. When United have played the likes of Manchester City, we've seen that when they've gone to Chelsea, when they play Tottenham home, when they've been able to play on the counter-attack themselves, it's actually worked in their favour. But how I think this can work in United's favour is that all of a sudden, whereas predominantly for a few seasons now, uh, Paul Pogba was looked at as the only playmaker for United, United now have two playmakers in potentially in the same team. Mm-hmm. So as a midfield, what you would be told when it, when it was previously it was Pogba, right? Okay, Pogba's their spark. Pogba's the man that will make them tick and will get the assists, as we saw, I think, last season, the top goal scorer and the, and the most assists. So you stop him, and to a certain extent, you stop a lot of United's attacking play. So what teams would do is say, right, okay, midfield defence drop, because we know that Pogba wants to drive with the ball. So we just drop, and we allow him to come into, the, into us, and there's no space whatsoever. The problem teams have now is that you can stop one of them, but you can't stop both. So if you're a midfield, you've got two choices. Your manager says to you, right, we're going to drop deep. Okay, well, if you drop deep, you may stop Fernandes if Fernandes is going to play in that, you know, similar to a number 10 role. But then you're leaving Pogba loads of time and space on the ball. But then if you say, okay, we've got to stop Paul Pogba dictating from deep because we know his his array of passing, long distance passing is, 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 you know, he's very, very good. Okay, so we'll go and stop him. But then you're leaving a load of space in behind for for Fernandez. So those two players being in the same team could actually bring the best out in each of them because one of them is going to be afforded more time and space. And the one thing that United have struggled for over the years, which they've got an abundance of now, is pace going forward. And that's where your likes of you know, Rashford coming back, you've got Martial, you've got Dan James. All of a sudden, if they're stretching the game and Fernandes is getting in between the two, what's the midfield going to do? Is the midfield going to drop with the opposition back four? Because if it does, yes, you suffocate in Fernandes' space, but you're leaving loads for Pogba. But if they don't and they push up, then, well, help. you're going to need help because Fernandes is then getting in the pockets between the midfield and the defence. So on paper, attacking-wise, it could look unbelievably good. But like like you just said there, Phil, the defensive side of things is where you've got to get the balance right. And does it mean that you play with one defensive midfielder, meaning that if if one fullback's going, the other one stays? So you've got four behind the ball at all times. But it's an interesting dilemma for Solskjaer to have, but one that you'd rather have than not have, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, there's, there's so many aspects to this um, that, that are really interesting. Um, first and foremost, you know, uh, does Pogba start? Like mm. now, Solskjaer has got to be under immense pressure. And I'm, I'm, my my thought is that you know people would expect Pogba to come straight back into a team. It's it's Paul Pogba, yeah. right? Undoubted ability. Now, obviously, we talk about the balance. I mean, should it should he disrupt that midfield that's been performing so well? In you know, my opinion, no. Does he does he bow to it and does he change how he potentially would have played and go to a diamond four? Uh, to accommodate both and be able to accommodate a defensive midfielder and another midfielder in there, you know, then you could sit Matic deep and then it would be Fred or McTominay on the other side of the diamond. We, we put Pogba on the left side of it and Fernandez at the tip of it. Then then operate with split strikers and then you do, then you are pure pace if you were Martial and Rashford split strikers or Dan James or, or Mason Greenwood. Um, so so going to a going to a diamond four would be a possibility to to squeeze both of them in. 
Um, not saying not saying that's what should happen, but how much sacrifice is going to have to be made by both players to fit them into a three, I think is a big, big question. Uh, and who would be the third? It would have to be a very, very disciplined holding midfielder, uh, which, uh, which I would presume would be Matic, the more experienced of the three of him, McTominay and Fred. Mm. So... Uh, one thing's for sure, you, you look at that midfield, you look at a fully fit, and, and Jamie Redknapp just came out and said this, didn't he? People are looking over the shoulder now. You've got a fully fit Man United squad with the Rashford coming back, who's one of the best forwards in the world, winger in the world, whatever you want to call him. And you have Paul Pogba, arguably one of the best talents in world football, even though he's not shown it on a consistent basis for United. All of a sudden, that team looks a lot different. That squad looks a lot different. And you can no longer, you just touched on it there, you can no longer just let United have the ball. Because teams were teams were happy enough. You, know, you saw those, like you said, the quote unquote lower level teams were happy mm. to let United have the ball because they didn't have that dynamic midfielder who was going to pick a pass, who was going to unlock a defense, who was going to unlock that deep line defense on the low block. Or now, now you have, like you say, potentially. You know, we, we've seen the impact Fernandez has had. It's just been extraordinary. Add Pogba to the mix. The mix. If it's a fully committed Paul Pogba. It just makes that squad and that team look so different on paper that teams, uh, high-level teams, lower-level teams, now seriously do have to come up with a plan to take the ball away from United because now they have players who can produce and two ball-playing midfielders. Um, you know, I think you know if we talked about McTominay and Fred there, Phil. I, we, we left Matic out, and, and Matic was was in a great run of form. Yeah. He had really been producing some fantastic football in sitting in hold, and he may be strange enough that now. Obviously, he's getting on, and that's a position that United are going to have to address uh, an out and out holding midfielder if the potential of Pogba and Fernandez in a three is going to exist he may be the key to that midfield as well as McTominay has been playing as well as Fred has been playing Matic may actually be the key to keep the balance of that midfield three right mm, it's it, it, it is it's an interesting one I think the one one of the things that we've seen with Solskjaer this season as well is that he's not he's not afraid to to change the system you know we, we've seen them have joy with a with a 3-4-1-2 with Fernandez as your number 10 and then two centre forwards which could still be a possibility because it leaves Pogba if he was to play still playing in that slightly slightly deeper role with a defensive midfielder alongside him. I think the one thing that that will that, that is apparent is that whoever is going to be playing that holding role for United they have to be athletic because you're going to have so many players that have the impetus and, and have the the nature to go to go flying forward. Does that does um, that do you think that rules out Matic at this point? I mean because I, of course, <sighs> athleticism at this point in his career is you know you'd be you'd be you'd be more comfortable with a McTominay or a Fred, but experience-wise, the know-how of playing behind two players and giving them a bit more freedom—that's where it gets interesting for me. Do you, do you know? Do you know what, mine? I think if you'd have said that to me four or five months ago, I would have said yeah, one hundred percent. But the Matic I saw before before this, obviously, you know, we had off this break was was the Matic that I saw at Chelsea. Yeah, it was yeah. absolutely incredible, and he looked as though. He'd gone up another level in fitness, as in terms of his stamina, his um, his mobility. He just looked a completely different player. He looked he looked like the player that, like I say, had had all that success with with Chelsea and was absolutely brilliant. So, I wouldn't necessarily say that it rules him out. But going back to Paul Pogba, as well, is that you know we know that with the supporters, there's there's a large amount of frustration, not because he's not a good player, but because we know what he's capable of, and. The part where I feel for him a little bit is when he joined United. So he came to United and obviously, you know, it, it was huge money at the time. 
And I think that he probably felt that he was going to be one of a few pieces of the jigsaw that were going to be completed to make this United team go and challenge. And that didn't seem to be the case. That didn't happen. And, you know, people say, well, he's coming to United now. We've paid all this money from him. He's going to be the main man. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. No, Juventus, he wasn't the main man. He had Pirlo next to him. Pogba could concentrate on his game. And the thing is with Pogba is that he's, at times, he's been the, not the nearly man, but he's been, he's had to try and be the man for all season. So he's had to try and be this defence midfielder, Mm -hmm. this goal-getting midfielder, and also this assist maker. And I just think that with Fernandes coming into the team, I think it lessens the load on Paul Pogba. I really do. And, you know, if he comes into this team, I feel that we're going to see a different Paul Pogba, A, because of his attitude, because he will have seen how well United were doing before this break. B, that Fernandes is in there that's going to take the pressure off him and probably take a couple of players away from him as well. And not just that, you've got players going forward now. You like Sir Rashford. Rashford's gone up another level. Martial sees himself as a number nine now, and you can see how his confidence you know, goes from that. And then you've got Greenwood. Then you've got James, you know, that, that can do their bit as well. So I think going forward, everything everything does look really good, and it and it and it's just how they they adapt now, the same as every other team in the Premier League to to these extreme circumstances. Just on the Maddox thing, something that popped up on my Twitter timeline a couple of days ago, it's really fascinating. Um, when you Maddox's starts, he had. Uh, this is from Rick the Red UK. Burnley away just after Christmas was only Maddox's sixth start of the season. After that game, United had more clean sheets, five in the six games Maddox had played, than they did in the 23 games that he didn't play. Um, which is truly staggering. It gives you an idea of just how good he has been for United since he came back into the team after Christmas. Um, and I agree with you, he almost looks like a, a player reborn. I want to ask you about Solskjaer because that's, of course, commentary about who United could sign this summer. And we don't even know when the transfer window is going to open. Possibly mm. it'll be open from August to October. That the season will be over by then. Is Solskjaer still on trial? I have a feeling that United have given him Bruno Fernandes and said, OK, show me progress. And if you continue to show progress, we'll go after the main targets this summer. You've got Dortmund saying they don't have an official bid yet from Jadon Sancho. That's always the last thing to happen anyway. Um, but what if he resumes the season... And everything collapses. Solskjaer could be in big trouble here. I, I think what you have to look at, you know, you, you're talking about, you know, bringing, bringing in Fernandez. I think you, you have to judge, you judge a manager, yes, on the results. And, you know, they were doing ever so well before, before this break took place uh, for obvious reasons. But you also look at the transfer windows and, you know, whereas... We've, we've looked at recent seasons and we've looked under Mourinho and we've looked under Van Hall and we looked under Moyes and there were some hits and there were some misses. As far as I'm concerned now, Solskjaer realistically has probably had two windows where he's, where, two windows where he's had an opportunity to make his mark. And what I like about the signings that he's made is that they've not been plays that are, that are, past, that are past their peak. They're plays that have got so much more to give still. They're players that have wanted to join the football club. It's not been about the money, in my opinion. And they've made the they've made the starting eleven better. Harry Maguire made the starting eleven better. Wambasaka made the starting eleven better. Yes, Dan James, we know that he he can be more of an impact player, but he's only very young. And there's no question marks over Fernandez whatsoever. As of yet, we know it's only early, but they've all had a positive effect. And all players have been signed with a plan in place. The, the one concern that I had with United over years gone by was that 
and I've said it on numerous occasions before, a manager was like a kid in a candy shop. So you go and buy a player, bring him into the club, but then play him in a completely different position. Or you buy a player from a club that the, the club you've just signed him from doesn't even play that way. The prime example for me was Di Maria. Di Maria comes to the club and everyone said, oh, you know, he was rubbish, this, that, and what have you. He got man of the match in the Champions League final against Atletico Madrid playing on the left-hand side of a midfield three. He comes to United and he ends up playing a lot of his time on the right of midfield. So why do you go and buy that player then? And it's happened, Alexis Sanchez. Alexis Sanchez comes to the club and we think, right, okay, well, this is how he's going to play. He's coming and from a club like Arsenal. And at the time, Arsenal played very, very different than the way United played under Mourinho. And you expect him to just be able to, to trans, translate his Arsenal form to his Manchester United form. So don't get me wrong. The players obviously will get criticism as well. But I think also the technique behind saying, right, OK, do we want this player? Yes, we want this player. OK, well, where does he fit into this team? And that's the difference now. I think Solskjaer's looked at every play that he's brought in so far and gone, right, what is his role in this team? Does he fit into this team? And that's where my trust with Solskjaer is, right, OK, you know what? They might go and sign an absolute superstar in the summer, but it will be for the reasons that he fits into Manchester United's starting eleven, not just because he's a superstar. And so many players have come to United. I, so many players over the years have come to United, and I've been so excited to see them sign. And it's just gone flat for them. Mm-hmm. And you don't become a bad player overnight. It's maybe they're just coming to a club that doesn't actually suit the way that that player plays. But you sign a player because they suit your style. And that's been missed, I think, for a number of seasons, where I think with Solskjaer, he's looked at players and gone, right, Wambasaka, defensively, he's solid. He was outstanding at Crystal Palace. Let me see if I can improve him going forward. Well, I'm telling you, he's done that in six or seven months. He looks a different player attacking-wise now than what he did. Yeah. Harry Maguire, United needed a, needed that leader figure at the back, someone that could take the ball out. They go and get Harry Maguire. They needed more pace going forward. They go and get Dan James. They needed more create more creativity in the final third. They go and get Fernandez. So there's been a reason and there's been a method behind every signing that Solskjaer's made so far. So I'm delighted with the signings that he's made. And and like I say, it could go pear shaped, but. The manager needs to be given time because otherwise, all you'll keep doing, you'll just keep getting to the same point where it's like, well, OK, we're just going to rip the book up again and start again. And we're going to have a group of players that were good for that manager, not good for that manager, OK for that manager and a waste of time for that manager. And the cycle will just keep going and going and going. And I don't think it's the right thing to do. And I'm hopeful that Solskjaer, with with what he has shown, has got the potential to be in Manchester United for the, for the foreseeable future. I think... Another point there, Danny, is not just the players that brought in, the players that... Um, yeah, that's shifted, a great point. ...is shifted out. That, yeah. that, need, that need... Look, Romelu Lukaku is going to score goals wherever he goes. Uh, you know, he's it, it, undoubted. A guy can put the ball in the net. That's fine. It wasn't a right fit for United. It wasn't a right fit for Solskjaer. Whether you bring in another forward or not at that point, my stance was always if... if if the manager's being backed and Solskjaer doesn't feels that he's not going to get, be a part, he's going to be that that bad apple, um, then mm-hmm. then so be it. You know, the, the sentiment. There's still a couple more to go that that needed to need to be moved on, but just as important as those ones he's brought in, I think, are the ones that have left the club. Um, it, it's showing that he's molding the squad in his ideals, the way he wants that squad to look. Um, uh, and you know, to your point there, Phil, if he he is still on trial and he shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's been proven to this point. And here's where it's going to get a little unfair. And it's going to be, it, these gray areas are going to come in. It's going to be a little bit weird coming back from this. How do you judge a manager in this extreme climate we're in? 
this next this next month of football where we're yeah. going to complete the season. Mm. How difficult is that to to to, to put blame or, or to move managers on, bring managers in based on this small period of time? This is uh, this is almost like international football, uh, a major tournament, right? It's almost a tournament style. This, this, this these next nine ten games are going to be because they're going to be so closely packed together. Uh, on top of cup competitions, we don't know about yet, but I think it'd be very very unfair. And as Danny said, that I think. His proven record so far can't be questioned. Um, and, you know, as, as we've talked about before, it's not just the players he's brought brought in, the players that are at the club. Look at McTominay, look at Mason Greenwood coming through. Look what uh, we've had a resurgence in Luke Shaw. Um, you know, who ever thought Luke Shaw would be playing at the back of a, on the left side of a back three at times? Um, you know, we've we've seen that the massive improvement in Fred looks unrecognisable from the Fred that we do, that we began with. Solskjaer's got to take a lot of credit for this too. Marcus Rashford stepping up to another level. So if he is still on trial, then it, then he's bang out of order. Um, and I think he, mm. he's proved he's done everything he everything he can do, everything he can possibly do. And I think he, we're also starting to see a little bit of steel behind him. You hear it in his voice, you see it in his press conferences, where he, he looks like and sounds like what you would want a Manchester United manager to sound like. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I think I, I think. You know, this one is going to be this one is going to be interesting because of we we don't even know what the transfer forget about the transfer window we don't even know what the transfer environment what's the transfer market going to look like in general what are the prices going to be you know is is Jaden Sancho still 120 million pound football 100 million pound mm. footballer it, we we don't know um, and that's going to be interesting it's going to take a couple of pieces to move early to kind of get a gauge on what the market's going to do and then maybe some selling clubs go well you know what well I'm not willing to sell him at that price anymore at 100 million 220 million Jaden Sancho was a goner if he's only worth 60 now hey we don't need to sell so that's going to be interesting and, and you know the other thing with this big layoff is these managers have had a lot of time on their hands to sit in front of computers and, and get and get you know money ball tactics going and and analytics that that whole side of the game. So will you see, you know, what will we see on that front? It's, it's you know, it's going to be really interesting coming back. Yeah, I think I think the transfer window obviously is, you know, is going to be very different this season. I think everybody's everybody's expecting that. But the one thing is, I think your premium players will will still be high value. Um, you know, we we've mentioned Sancho, who I think would be an outstanding signing for United. But also, I think now what you've got in a team like United, like you've mentioned, Martin, you, me- you mentioned the likes of Rashford, you mentioned Martial, McTominay, and you know Greenwood now coming through. For any young player now, they're looking at United and they're going right. Okay, well, you know these players, look how they've improved, look how they've gone on to the next level. And a lot of the times, players, yes, they'll go to clubs because of the size of the club, the chance to the chance to win things. But if you if you look at the top managers. Players want to sign for Thomas. I'm not putting Solskjaer in that category anywhere near that category yet, right? So before anybody says that I am. But when you look at a lot of players, they want to go and play for a manager because they know that manager is going to make them a better player. And if it makes them a better player, it means that individual is going to have more success in a team that's going to be successful. And I think with any prospective signings that Manchester United want, want to make, you know, attacking-wise, you look at, wow, well, Rashford, what's he done since Solskjaer came in? Gone up another level. Martial, gone up another level. Greenwood, we always knew he had the ability. I'll tell you what, Solskjaer's trusting him. McTominay, gone up another level. So if you're a young player, which it looks like Solskjaer's wanting to sign these types of players, the younger players, 
that ticks every single box because you're looking and thinking these players are all improving under Solskjaer. So I'm going to go there. And the only reason I'm not going to improve is if I don't want to improve. If I want to improve, I'm going to improve because it's been shown by the young players at United. Let me ask you about another potential conundrum for United because uh, David De Gea, Dean Henderson situation, all those girls mm. came out and said that Henderson will be in there as number one and England's number one. David De Gea is still quite young for a goalkeeper. You would imagine he still has a number of years left at the depth level, at a club like United. Does that signify Solskjaer's intent? Um, or is it just trying to appease Dean Henderson? And what does that say to David De Gea? I think it, it's a really interesting crossroads for everybody involved um, at United. I think Dean Henderson, what he's shown over the last couple of seasons, and I've been fortunate enough, I covered him when he was in the Championship with Sheffield United and this season at Sheffield United. I spoke to Chris Wilder about him and he he can't speak highly enough of him. You know, he's, he's managed him unbelievably well because something that Dean Henderson is, which all your top goalkeepers have got to be and all your top players have got to be, they've got to have that belief in their own ability. And I remember last season in the Championship when Sheffield United went to Aston Villa and Sheffield United were cruising, they were winning 3-0. And they ended up drawing 3 all. And afterwards, Chris Wilder came out and he, he publicly criticised Dean Henderson and everybody was questioning it. He went and kept seven clean sheets in a row. Did the same thing this season after he made the mistake against Liverpool when they got beat 1-0, then went and kept quite a few clean sheets the next few games as well. So that tells you about the mentality of the player and it shows you that Chris Wilder is an excellent manager. But the problem that, you, that Dean Henderson or Manchester, probably Manchester United, not Dean Henderson, the problem that United are going to have this summer is that if Solskjaer turns around and says, Dean Henderson, right, come back here now, we want you to be our number two. That's That, that in my opinion, won't be good enough for Dean Henderson because he's mm-hmm. proven, A, that he's a Premier League, player, uh, Premier League goalkeeper and one of the top Premier League goalkeepers. And B, he will want to be England's first choice in the Euros, which, let's not forget, has been put back a year. And he's got a great opportunity of doing that. But in order for him to do that, he's going to have to be playing week in, week out. So is it a situation where, you know, I don't know what his contract situation is, whether he signed a new one recently or not. Does he sign a new contract and then goes back out on loan to Sheffield United and has another year there? Or does Solskjaer say, well, we want you to come and be our second choice? Because if I'm Dean Henderson, Manchester United, my opinion, biggest club in the world. But if you're playing Premier League football week in, week out, and you're a standout player, in the not just in your team, but in the Premier League, and you're being talked about with England recognition, you're not going to be happy going and sitting on anybody's bench, especially the age that he is. And that's that's the conundrum now that United find themselves in, because you're not going to, what you're going to do, you're not going to sell David De Gea in the summer. David De Gea certainly isn't going to be the number two. So I think what will happen, may be completely wrong, I think he may sign, if he hasn't already, an extended contract at United, then I think he will probably go out for another year on loan. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. I think, I think what Solskjaer said, I think needed to be said. I think you know, it's yeah. it's telling him that hey, that we have the confidence, and it's, your time, your time is going to come. Yes, um, and I think that maybe even laying the groundworks there to send him back out on loan, and you know, it's say you know, we're not we're not messing around here. We're not keeping him waiting. Look, let's let's get you out on loan because we want you to play first team football. We don't need you to come and sit on a bench. United's number two. We've got a fantastic number two in Sergio Romero. Yeah. Um, Let's I've been playing football regularly, and you know you could see United cashing on De Gea in the next couple of years. Um, so, so I think what Solskjaer said, I think it needed to be said. I think he needed to be given that vote of confidence from the boss, um, and it's undeniable. Like that, I think he, you know, he's in line. He's in a, in a great situation right now, where like you say, he's playing first team football, a Premier League club, a Premier League club that's being managed and coached very, very well, and challenging for European places remarkably. Yeah. Um, 
so he's, so he's playing at a top level, potentially sneak into some European competition with his own, with, with his on loan club, um, and then be be ready to go. And, and you know, we we've seen it before. Look, he's undoubted talent, isn't he? He's a fantastic goal, goalkeeper and commands his area possibly better than David De Gea does. To be honest mm-hmm. with you, I, I, uh, but he, but he's very young. But he is still very young. So you know, has has he had this dip, big dip in form? He, you know, we, we obviously had that one high profile mistake and came mm. back fantastically well from it. But a continued little dip in form. We'll, we'll learn more about his mentality. You know, play, with all due respect to Sheffield United, playing at Sheffield United is not he's not like playing in front of the Stratford and and playing under the lights in a, in a Champions League match at Old Trafford on a Tuesday or a Wednesday night. So. I would say, you know, I'm comfortable with the situation. I think he is going to be United's next number one. Um, I think he's got maybe one, maybe two years even away on loan uh, before they cash in on De Gea and bring him back. But I think he's in a great position. and He feels wanted by the club. Is he a United fan? Is United through and through? Um, and he's certainly confident in his own ability. I think I think one of the things is as well is when we look at it is that you know I've 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 read things today about you know the the close to agreeing a deal where he can stay on loan at Sheffield United for the rest of the season, um, you know because clubs like I say you may be able to fill me more but as far as I'm aware you know the clubs can clubs can call back the loanees now I would imagine now if that's the situation and, and and let's be honest Sheffield United can be challenging Manchester United for the for that top 4 top 6 position yeah, that's true yeah mm-hmm. they could be so i think there's also an element of keeping people happy here as well because if you think that Dean Henderson and i i quite rightly do is could be the difference between Sheffield United getting into those European positions and not getting into those European positions because he's been outstanding with Sheffield United this season. You don't you don't get there without a solid goalkeeper. Come on, we, exactly. We, without without, a, without a, a top top draw goalkeeper, you yeah. don't challenge those positions. So so therefore then, if if you're not bothered what a Dean Henderson thinks, you bring him back and you say, well, I'm sorry, we're not we're not going to put this at risk because we think he, whilst you're at Sheffield United, they've got a better opportunity of finishing above us than. They have if you're not in the team. But United aren't doing that. So they're looking at his development. At development, They're looking at everything. And that's one of the reasons why I look at it and think to myself, Dean Henderson is Manchester United's future, whether it be the season after next or, or whenever it may be. But also, Solskjaer's keeping, keeping giving him the exposure to the Premier League football. And let's not kid ourselves, this running, Sheffield United, nobody expected him. He's my manager of the year. I don't care what anybody says, what he's done. Chris Wilde, he's been absolutely sensational, what he's done at that club. But this could be an unbelievable season for Sheffield United. And what an experience it would be for Dean Henderson to be part of that. And what what an experience that will set him in good stead for when the time comes, when he's Manchester United's number one. Danny, I want to ask one more question about the potential signings this summer. Uh, we talked a lot about the depth of options for Solskjaer at midfield. So if everyone's fit, why do they need Jack Grealish? I, when I look at Jack Grealish, I I, I wonder to myself because what he's been he's been brilliant at Aston Villa this year and he is ready to make that step up. And I think regardless of whether Villa go up, uh, sorry Villa stay up or Villa go down, I don't think that Jack Grealish will be there. You know, and that's no disrespect to Aston Villa whatsoever because he's, he's, he's an Aston Villa fan through and through. I covered him in the championship as well. I, I was I was at that game where the, the, the supporter came on and punched him in the back of the head then he went and scored the winner. He showed his mentality in that game, showed what it was all about. He came to Old Trafford this season. I thought he was arguably the best player on the pitch. He was absolutely yeah. magnificent. I just wonder whether the Grealish situation is dependent on what happens to Paul Pogba. Is it exactly. one or the other? 
That's what I think it is. I don't necessarily think it will be. I don't think we'll see uh, a team next year that has Fernandez, Pogba and Grealish. I think it will be Fernandez and Pogba or Fernandez and Grealish. And I think what happens to Pogba will have a big say in whether Jack Grealish comes to the club or not. Yeah, I think uh, we don't want to speak for Phil. I think that's exactly where he was going with that yeah. question anyway. is uh, We had talked about it before. We're going to learn a lot about what Paul Pogba's future, where Paul Pogba's future lies based on these targets. I mean, uh, the one thing that concerns me is, you know, are we ever going to get a fully committed Paul Pogba? Is there always in the back of your mind where, okay, now he's, he's settled now, uh, he's content now, but he kind of just always knows that he's like Ronaldo, wasn't it? If he, if he doesn't go yeah. now, he's, he's going to go at some point. Um, but I think it's all about putting a midfield in, in, or putting a squad in place where, hey, look, Paul Pogba needs United more than Man United need Paul Pogba. Because um, he's got to put himself, he's got to showcase him again, himself again to, to get this big money move if that's what he wants. Um, so, I, you know, put, uh, Phil and I had talked about that. I mean, really, you know, even even the Van der Beek and, and Havertz, mm. you know, the, the, the likes of these that have been built United. I, I, I'm with you. I mean, it, that, that midfield as it stands right now, if, if Paul Pogba is in future plans in that midfield, you almost look at midfield and go, does it, does it need anything else at mm. this point? I mean, you definitely would have to look forward to a, a, a Matic replacement, as I said. But that's why, as that squad stands, if you're moving into a transfer window that, that's a little bit unstable and you don't know where the price points are going to be, the, the standout target for United, if Paul Pogba's a part of the future, is you go all out, you spend what it takes, you spend above what it takes to bring Jaden Sancho into the club because I think that's the missing piece. Mm. That right-hand side is just a little bit light until Dan James has, has got his feet under him, has got his experience at the top level under him. Um I, I think that's the area that, that that really needs addressing next. But I, we're going to learn a lot with with if if another midfielder is signed, a top quality midfielder is signed. I think that tells us what's what what Paul 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 Pogba's future is going to be. I, I, th- I think I think as well what you do when you look at if you're signing, you know, so when Paul Pogba came, relatively young player, you know, uh, uh, and a huge sum for him. Now what we've seen at other clubs is when you bring a top player in or a top young player, what you do, and inevitably it, it, the great sides do it, you build a team around your top players. United have never built a team around Paul Pogba, ever. I've, I've never looked at one United team or one United system within, you know, we've seen what Solskjaer's tried to do, tried to give him that element of freedom to go forward. We saw it last season with the assists and the goals that he got. But previous to that, I looked at Paul Pogba was was put into a team and said, right, there you go, go on, go and do your stuff. It's another top player where it's like if you spend that amount of money on a player, you want them to go and do what the, what made you go and spend all that money on him. But United didn't have that. You know, yeah. at Juventus, they had the likes of Pirlo, they had the likes of Vidal, they had mm-hmm. players like that that allowed Pogba to go and express himself. So if you sign a player for that amount of money and the age that he was at the time, you say, right, what we're going to do now, we're going to bring in players that complement Paul Pogba. We're not going to bring in players that might not complement the style, might not complement complement some of my teammates. And that's another thing we saw. So he's brought in players that complement yeah, their exactly. teammates. You yeah. know, Rashford, Rashford, I look at Marcus Rashford and I think he'll go up another level with Fernandes in the team because one of the things that I've seen because I've done a few of United's games since Fernandes took over 
sorry, since Fernandez came into the team. And what he does, yes, we know he drifts into that number 10 position, but predominantly he drifts over to the left-hand side. Rashford starts on the left-hand side, ends up as a centre-forward. So the pair of them will actually create space for each other by still doing their own thing. And that's what you need in a team. Be able to build your... Players have to complement each other. It's not... Or you end up with a team of individuals, people doing their own thing. And I just feel that United are starting to sign players and have started to sign players recently, which is like, wow, not only is he a good player, but he's going to bring the best out in the player, the side of him, sorry, the left of him, at the right of him, in front of him and behind him. And I think that's what you'll see now with Rashford coming into the team. It will take Fernandes up another level. It'll take Rashford up another level. And we can hope as well, in all reality, that that could actually happen to Pogba as well because it's happened to Martial. He trusts yeah. Fernandes, so he makes those runs. And that's the beauty of top-class players. They make players around them better. And that's yeah. what I'm looking forward to seeing. I, and I think I think we touched on that, Phil and I, about, yeah. about Fernandes. You know, since he's come in, he's, he's set standards and he's maintained yeah. standards. He, you know, you can see he's animated on the pitch. You know, he's, he's a talker. Um, you know, the little spot he got into with uh, with, with Guardiola. You know, he's, he's comfortable in his own skin. He's confident in his ability. But he's 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 setting standards on the pitch and leading by example. Um, but one thing you said there about you know the interchange with Rashford on that left hand side that that was kind of what I was I was focused on when I said the sacrifices that Pogba and and and, uh, and Fernandez are going to have to make to, to play together because it isn't it is a part of the pitch that Pogba really does like to occupy as well, kind of like that that inside left channel so to speak. But look, great players should be able to sacrifice. Great players should be able to play together. And, and if if it's uh, if you have a player there that now can look at that United squad and, and you know bring in a Fernandez in and the targets they're linked with, potentially a James Tesla, and look at it and go, there there's there isn't ambition and there isn't talent coming in. Then you know that then you're definitely looking for a way out anyway. So I, I think it's really exciting. I think. Uh, I'm excited to see. I'm interested to see what Solskjaer, how how he sets up, uh, and if it's a three or a four in midfield, and if Pogba starts, and if Pogba doesn't start, is it a statement from Solskjaer? Is it a strong state from, statement from Solskjaer that hey, I'm going to pick my team. Um, I, I'm not going to pick it based on reputation. I'm, I'm picking it based on the balance uh, and the characters and, and what exactly what I see my ideal squad team setup looking like. I think I think one of the things as well, if we look at, I know Pogba's had his injuries this season, but in, in my opinion, his best performance was the opening game of the season against Chelsea at home. His his array of passing was incredible, and he was playing that deeper role. He was playing that deeper role that he's played time and time again for France as well, and it could be a situation that that suits him because he'll be afforded more time and space on the ball because all of a sudden. The opposition haven't got to worry about one or two plays for United. All of a sudden, they've now got to worry about three or four. They've got to worry about Fernandes if he's higher up the pitch. You've got to worry about Martial. They've got to worry about Rashford. You've got to worry about the the, the naivety and and the unbelievable finishing of Greenwood. You've got to worry about the pace of, of Dan James. So all of a sudden, I, I think Pogba would be comfortable playing that deeper role. You know, we know that he loves to mm-hmm. go and get the ball off the hay. And how many times have we how many times have we, have we watched him? whether we're commentating on him or, or whether we're watching him on the telly or we're at the ground where we're like, why are you coming back so deep? We need you higher up the pitch. Well, hang on a second. No, we don't need <laughs> you higher up the pitch. Now we can have two playmakers. You can yeah. have a deep line playmaker and you can have that number 10 playmaker. So, you know, I think they can, good players can play together. Great players can play together. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that that will be the case with United. It's ex- certainly exciting if 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 it can click. Sorry, Phil, but yeah, if that but clicks, it's certainly certainly a very exciting prospect, no, isn't it? And I think 
And I think for the first time in a while, you, you're looking you're looking on a team sheet there, and you're looking at a squad list and going, "Hang on a minute, the, the United aren't that far away." No, yeah. I don't believe that. I want to ask you lastly, Danny, about Rashford's maturity because one of the things that we've seen during this lockdown is this young man has been absolutely amazing. Yes. Social media, we've seen him mature as a human being, and he's using a terrific example on how to use fame and notoriety and how to use a massive platform that can amplify certain voices and certain causes and he's done just an unbelievable job recently during this lockdown yeah it's, it's been absolutely sensational and you know what it's you know we go back to the start of of this of this virus and one of the first groups of people that were called out were footballers by yep, the government right. and i was i was absolutely yeah. i was disgusted not 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 because you know it's got nothing to do with me i don't play football anymore but i know how much footballers do behind the scenes. Yeah. Not for the media side of things, but because they do it off their own back. And for players to be called to for players to be called out, like, well, okay, footballers, now it's over to you. Let's not forget there's wealthier people in this country that aren't footballers. Mm-hmm. So why does it always yeah. have to be about the footballers? And it, it, it just it's it's an easy target time and time again. And you know what? The captains of the football clubs, I look at Jordan Henderson, I look at Harry Maguire, I look at all the other captains in the Premier League. They have proved that footballers want to do the right thing, but they want to make sure that the finances go to the right people. So Marcus Rashford, he's been absolutely exemplary. You know, his family will be so proud of him. I know Manchester United as a club will be so proud of him. And he's a fine young man. He's done incredible. And let's not forget that footballers... All right, it's been extreme circumstances what Marcus Rashford has done and the money that he's raised. And now he's talking about, you know, the the, the free school school meals for, for children that, you know, are in unfortunate positions. And fair play to him and saying about the government should do something about it. They should do. And what I love about what's happened over the last two or three months is that the government, as I say, completely out of order, in my opinion, have called out players. I've said, right, you need to do this, you need to do that. Well, I tell you what, the players have received that shot over the tennis net and they've leathered it back. They certainly have. Plenty of Tom's been on and they said, right, okay, we've done our bit. Now let's see you come to the fore. So I'm so, so proud. Like I say, not as a former footballer or anything like that. I don't care about that. That's all, that's all, that's all gone. But I'm so proud of the way that the players have responded. Not, not just the English players, all players from all around the world in this country that have done their bit when people, only a few, were questioning them. Don't ever question them because footballers do their fair share and they've proved it. They've proved it with this. So, like you say, you know, it's up to the other side now. They they've asked for the footballers to do their bit. They've done it and some. What's their response? Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, like I say, it, it's it's been that, 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 we've seen the nice side. We've seen the really good side mm. of, pe- of people of these guys. And, and like you say, being called out, it's just it's just such an easy target and it's such yeah. a cowardly thing to do. Because um, they're the last ones to put their hands in their pockets. It, it's you know it's all the, the the name game and and pointing fingers at who should be doing what while sitting back doing nothing yourself. So yeah, to have Marcus Rashford there front and center of it all is it, it's a really proud moment for the for the yeah. club, um, for his family, certainly for his mum. I, I can't even imagine how proud she is. Um, and, and it's not it's just nice to see somebody remaining so grounded. Uh, and recognising where they came from and the circumstances they came out of and got out of, but but remaining true to his roots and, and giving so much back above and beyond what should ever be expected. 
So, you know, many congratulations to him. And I think mm-hmm. the absolute bare minimum is you, be- you better be looking at the next sports personality of the year this year. <laughs> absolute <Yes>. bare minimum. <laughs> yeah. So, see, Danny, thanks as always, mate. Very much appreciate it. Thank you, gentlemen. And, uh, brilliant Cheers, show. Danny. I appreciate it, mate. Thanks, Martino. All the best, mate. Cheers, Phil. Thanks, Take care. folks. Thanks, see you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.